0: To get the edge with your Premier League betting predictions, Pinnacle have teamed up with InfoGoal to delve deeper into the data for all the Premier League matches each game week. We combine betting market data with InfoGoal's performance data to try and find Pinnacle customers' value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. We're back and we're thrilled to be here. The holiday season's upon us, and Premier League football. Makes it return. This is EPL Insights with data provided by and supported by InfoGold. Gareth Wheeler and Jake Osgathorpe with you coming off what was an incredible World Cup final. Uh, I think we can like puff out our chests a little bit, pat ourselves on the back for a very profitable World Cup as well. Uh, before we turn our attention to this week's games, it's game week 17 in the Premier League. Plenty of movement and plenty to discuss when it comes to future markets as well. And what has this month plus off meant for the respective Premier League teams and players? A lot of question marks heading in, well, to this weekend. Uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas, Jake. How are you? Very oh, good. Throw- yeah,
1: very good. Still just uh, just still trying to get over the World Cup final. I mean, that was a hell of a game. Really enjoyed that Um out of nowhere France just sort of clawed the way back in um, and then we had all the drama of the extra time the last minute save the last minute header miss and then penalties so yeah that was some way for the World Cup to finish I've got to say and uh, and obviously nice to grab a few winners as well so anybody who listened to the pre-tournament podcast will know um, that I was quite strong on Argentina's fancy uh, chances and obviously Messi to win the golden ball you obviously had a an absolute blinder in the final with with your your selection. Was it plus nine hundred with the odds or something?
0: Plus nine oh six. Argentina to win in Pence. See, yeah, see, a, lo- a lot it. of this has to go has to has to go with context as well as we documented. Both you and I were on Argentina from the start, and when you're playing from a position of strength, and and it, it was an automatic hedge when it came to the final. Um, there were some numbers that stuck out to me. And Emmy Martinez, he came through yet again. He's absolutely crazy, but I don't care. He <laughs> saves penalties. And I just thought the game would be tight, very little to separate the two sides. And if it went to penalties, it skewed in Argentina's favor. So that worked. Your play with Lionel Messi, Golden Ball, you were on it from our very first podcast. Well done. It made more sense. These are the little tips and ways that you can f- can find value. Many people might have been on... Messi to win the golden boot. Obviously, that didn't happen with Kylian Mbappe coming through, but I, I think that you pointed it out that there was more value and it seemed to be a more salient play going with Messi with the golden ball.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's not a stats-driven award, the golden ball. It's pure narrative. No. and it, you know I think Simon Edwards called it perfectly in, in the final podcast, the sense that it is – effectively it's like a movie script that kind of that award it's it's whatever whatever makes the most you know drama and and Messi on his last ever world cup dragging the argentina team all the way to the final then obviously going on to win it there was no way that anybody was going to beat that in terms of a, a storyline so the golden ball was always going to be his
0: let's just reflect on where we left things it was what was it november 10th or 11th the premier league kind of wrapped up as we head into the world cup In Arsenal, I still need to pinch myself. They're five points atop the table on 37 points, 12 wins, one draw, one loss from 14, a five-point cushion on Manchester City, who lost their final game to Brentford uh, going into the World Cup break. Newcastle, Spurs, United, Liverpool, Brighton, and Chelsea, both on 21 points, rounding out the top eight. At the bottom of the table, Nottingham Forest, 18th, Southampton, 19th, And Wolves, who may be a very different looking side in the matter of the next few weeks on 10th, uh, 10 points in in 20th place in the table. Uh, It's been quite some time. There's the argument rest versus rust. What the players returning from the World Cup will look like for the respective squads. Uh, Some of them may be more fit. I've actually heard managers say that, that they're in better condition than the players who have had time off. Um, and, and what it might mean for some of the sides that were on really good form heading into the break as well. And there has been a couple of notable injuries as well, uh, most lo- notably for the North London sides. Gabriel Jesus, he's going to be a long-term absentee. Richarlison will be out for Spurs as well. Um, what do you make of what's kind of transpired over the last month and a half leading into these upcoming games?
1: Yeah, I, I think the the Jesus injury is massive for Arsenal. Um I was of the mind that they'd probably invest again in January anyway. They're definitely going to have to do that to fix that position because, you know, Eddie Nketiah is OK, but he's not at the standard to replace Jesus. And what Arsenal fans are probably hoping is a title-winning uh, or title-challenging team, uh, that's a huge concern for me. And it's no surprise that you can still back Arsenal at plus 250, even though they've got a five point cushion, you know, they've arguably got an easier schedule coming up than Manchester City. I think, I think the, the pair play each other at the end of February. And between that time, I think City have got Spurs twice. Obviously, have got Liverpool and the Carabao. We're recording this on Thursday before that Carabao game. They've got Chelsea in the FA Cup. Uh, I think they've got another couple of big, tough games against top six, top four teams as well. Uh, whereas Arsenal, I think they only play two of the top six in that time. So, schedule wise, it does suit Arsenal to really kind of keep the foot on the gas. But that Jesus injury is huge. Not only, like, I mean, he wasn't in the top scorer race. I mean, he's only got five goals this season. But the stuff he does off the ball um, and, you know, it it, it really is kind of unquantifiable um, to how important he is uh, as a a player in that team. So that's a huge blow. It really is. Um, Chelsea are probably a side that will be looking better, I feel, for the break. Uh, Obviously, a new manager came in, Potter. They were playing a game every three days pretty much after he took over with the Champions League in there. Um and he had a load of injuries to deal with. So he was trying to juggle a, a really thin squad of, you know, almost second choice players uh, while trying to get them up to speed with his systems and style on the fly. Whereas now he's had a month off to kind of work with the players that are left behind. Quite a few of them have, you know, were there for him for the long period. Um, you know, likes of Jorginho, who you'd imagine it'd be quite a focal point uh, uh, in central midfield for him and got obviously in goal of Kante as well I know he's not fit but he's there to kind of understand what what Potter wants from him um, so I think that they'll improve off this break uh, they've obviously got a couple of players coming back from injury Reese James will be back yeah. um, well they're hoping straight away in this Bournemouth game which will be massive not only from a defensive point of view but also from an attacking point of view so uh, really important for, for Chelsea I think the break um, and then yeah you look at the other teams I mean Manchester United, their their players played really well at the World Cup. You know, Rashford looked really sharp. Uh, Varane looked really good at the back. Maguire looked good for England as well. So, you know, they're, they're in, you'd have seen a promising position. And then Liverpool, they're hoping to have players back fit. And that was the main issue for them to the start of the season uh, was was injuries. They just had so many injuries, particularly in the middle of the park. And then obviously it crept forward, and you had uh, Jota and uh, and Diaz getting injured and. Both of them probably aren't going to be back until February at least, so they're still going to be missing. But the the, the rest time and, and the kind of gel time you'd hope that the rest of the squad will get um, will, will will hopefully help them. But yeah, and, and then we've obviously got a few new managers at the bottom of the table as well. Well, gonna, well that, that's
0: what it. I was going to say. Like the, the uh, Emery at at Villa, Jones at Southampton, Lopetegui at Wolves. Now they've had some time. I thought that Lopetegui is so smart. He's just like. Give me until after the World Cup, and they've just played the Carabao Cup game, they've got off to a winning start. Looks like they're gonna bring in Mateus Cunha as well. So, uh, some managers, even Graham Potter, some time to work with your players. I think you're you're right on Chelsea. I not I, I mean Mason Mount has returned from the World Cup, he's not fully fit, but they're a different side with James and Chilwell on the right and the left, respectively. Fafana's just played what six games all season. Bring him into the yeah. back. Conte is just the glue of the team. It's just if there's enough goals in in this Chelsea side, does Ziyech get a look after the World Cup that he had? I mean, he's been on the outside looking in. So plenty for Potter to ponder as well. Um, And yeah, the the new managers are the one for me. You mentioned Arsenal Um, on Pinnacle.com. The Futures Market, they're the second favorite still, even though they're they're leaving the table on five points, plus 250 to go to win the Premier League. But I look at their upcoming schedule. It's like Jesus is out. Nelson is out. Um, Emile Smith-Rowe is on his way back. But they play West Ham on Boxing Day, at Brighton, then Newcastle, then at Spurs, and then Manchester United. That's their next five games. I mean how they fare over these next five games could go a long way to where they actually finish. Like they've had a relatively straightforward schedule. They've they've done well, full credit to them. They haven't slipped, but man, this is a tough go, especially when they haven't replaced Jesus. It's very difficult to just bring in a player on the fly, put them straight into the team and expect that player to produce. So this could be a little bit of a tricky stretch for Arsenal, couldn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if they took fifteen points from those five games, I would probably consider, you know, changing my tune on the fact that Arsenal could win the Prem. Um, but yeah, I, I just, the, 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 for me, the Jesus injury is is harder to take than the actual schedule they've got coming up. Because I, I, as I said, I think he brings, yeah, you know, he he's the gel in forward areas, not only when they're actually with the ball but off the ball as well. He just so much in terms of of pressing and throwing himself about being really difficult to mark and deal with creating space for the likes of Erdegaard to to cause serious problems Um, so yeah for me if if they are to kind of really make a sustained title challenge because it's all right to do it for 14 games I mean it's not even half a season we've seen teams get off to this kind of hot start and really fade away but if they are to sustain this kind of pace then I do feel like they're going to need a um, you know, replacement or someone to to come in and, and play st- as a striker while Jesus is out. Because, yeah, as I've said, I, I don't rate Enquetier as that kind of guy to to really fire them to, you know, quite a lot of victories that they're going to need to keep Man City at bay. And, and, you know, they're playing against them, or coming up against a Man City team who've had De Bruyne leave early from the World Cup with Belgium getting knocked out in the group stage. The best player, Haaland, has been sat at home, or I, I don't think he'd been sat at home. He's probably been sat in a gym somewhere doing all sorts of squats and, Sprints and stuff. (laughs) Um, uh, You know that he's he's been doing next to nothing. Uh, Diaz has come home early as well. At Portugal, Uh, Stones as well knocked out in the quarterfinal. Foden in the quarterfinal. So they've got a lot of players like Gundogan didn't even make out of the groups as well. So a lot of players that went to the World Cup, but quite a lot that came back quite early, which has to be seen as a massive positive from a City perspective.
0: Uh, City, by the way, uh, fully fit. I mean Phillips has been out for the majority of the season. Uh, You've had players at the back who beat in and out now Pep Guardiola, uh, in this vital stretch. One where his main goal, it seems, is to go on to win the Champions League, but uh, make no mistake, this side is built to win on multiple fronts uh, this season. When when it comes to the future,
1: yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, Manchester City actually had the most players of any Premier League team at the World Cup, 16 players, but only one player made it past the quarterfinals. Wow. So they had all 15 back after the quarter. But quarters.
0: but but despite that, it, I mean, it just shows you how good their players are. I believe that they played the most minutes in terms of like a team as well at, at the World Cup. So though they left early, that's kind of what you'd want. If you're City, my players come back soon. It's only Alvarez who still probably hasn't slept all week uh, since Argentina won the uh, he'll But be but, <laughs> sleeping
1: the- for a few years, I reckon.
0: But he's the backup center for and He's young anyways. Who you needs sleep yeah. when you're that age? Uh, City's still the prohibitive favorites at minus 225 to win the Premier League. Do you go beyond those two, Jake? I mean, if you like anyone else, Newcastle's only lost once on the season, plus 3,005 to win the Premier League. The exact same odds as Liverpool. Then it goes United, Spurs, Chelsea, and then it kind of falls off the cliff. Uh, Cliff, is there any future market that you like to point out, whether it be winner, top four, relegation, that you're looking at that there might be some value?
1: Yeah, I think the top four, I definitely would be looking at Newcastle at plus 150. I know you've been banging the drum since you're about plus 800 early on. Um, But what what they've shown us in the first half of the season is that they are a legitimate top four top six team um and i fully expect them to bring in at least one player in january which seems to be the kind of trend is to sort of drip in these quality players throughout the windows um and to be honest they don't need to do that much different they don't need to improve by that much because they're they're already racking up um you know the the expected goals process their third third unexpected points third unexpected goal difference um you know they, They've actually created more expected goals for than Arsenal, who lead the league, um, which kind of shows you their attacking um, output and their fourth based on defensive process as well. So they're definitely a, side, a, a team to get on side. Um And they've got, you know, this break's come at a good time for them as well because they've had very few players at the World Cup. And if they have been at the World Cup, they've not played too many minutes. You know, you think Bruno Guimaraes, who's probably one of their best players this season, barely kicked a ball for Brazil. Fabian Shah barely kicked the ball for Switzerland who got to the quarterfinals and you know Nick Pope and Callum Wilson also barely played if I mean Pope didn't and then Trippier played a couple of games didn't he And before Walker came back fit so they're in a good position so Maximan's back fit as well Um, uh, so yeah I think Newcastle are a real danger at plus 150 I'm surprised to see Liverpool at minus 150 in that market to be honest Uh, I I, I do think that they will come good they will improve um, post World Cup break but the news, the injury news on Jota is that he won't be back fit until February, uh, and Luis Diaz is obviously out until even later than that. So, that's a huge concern for me because you, you're limited to a front three of Nunes, Salah, uh, and Firmino. And you know, I, I don't, I don't know what you think, but I personally don't think that's strong enough. If you're you, you having to change from that four-three-three to kind of a four-four-two diamond um, and mix things up, so I, they're a team I'd oppose. And then at the other end of the table, I. I I do fear for Southampton and I fear for Everton because, you know, I I rate Nathan Jones as a manager, but he's nowhere near as good as Ralph Harson like I rate Harson highly. And the 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 players at that Southampton at the moment suit Harson Hootle more than they suit Jones in the sense that they're all young players that Harson Hootle usually moulds and gets into a way in which he wants to see them play. Uh, and this is a this is a brand new test for Nathan Jones. I mean, he's never taken over a squad that's had this many young players. I mean, they're all fresh out of the youth academies. Um, so that that I think he's got a huge problem there. Uh and and Everton, you know, their underlying numbers paint a really ugly picture. Yet again, um, defensively, they're all over the place. I know there was a lot of talk halfway through the start of the season that Tarkovsky and Cody are brilliant and they're, you know, they're, they're revolutionizing the defense. They're not the underlying numbers are still the same they've got a couple of good individuals that I like you know I think Onana's a good player Um, but you know beyond that Calvert-Lewin's unreliable in terms of fitness where are the goals going to come from so there are teams for me that I do really worry about and you can get them both at plus 170 I'd be happy to put like to almost dutch them and just have a little play on both because I think one of them's going down
0: Yeah, I was going to bring up Southampton at plus 170. I mean, the shortest odds are Nottingham Forest minus 170, Bournemouth minus 150, and Wolves at minus 110. Then there's those two sides at plus 170. Southampton's home, they don't have a home atmosphere. Like, it's just, you need to pick up points at home, and they're dreadful. Like, there's no advantage there. Uh, The other side that I want to put into that equation as well is Leeds at plus. Four fifty. I have a very difficult time because looking at the underlying numbers, they look okay. And I think they play well under Jesse Marsh. The injuries that they have right now heading into this critical period, not a good story. Paints a very difficult picture and this team can't defend. They just can't (laughs) defend. They've been relying on young players to to dig them out of holes. I'm not sure if that's sustainable. So leads at plus 450. That's a big number for a side I think is exceptionally vulnerable. You want to jump in on leads? Yeah, I, I
1: just think the, you know, in my opinion, taking chances on the big numbers is absolutely the way to go because yeah. you've got Wolves currently in the market at minus 110. I don't think that, I can't see them going down now. They've got Lopetegui. I think he's, he's a kind of Unai Emery-esque manager in the sense that he's very pragmatic. His teams are sometimes tough to watch, um, but they get results. Uh, I have no doubt whatsoever that Wolves will start picking results up and will climb clear. They'll also do invest in in January, as you've said. They've already kind of sorted the the Cunha deal. I'm sure they'll go in again. And I think Nottingham Forest will stay up as well. They're they're at minus one seventy. They're the favourite in the market. My stance on Forest all season, since the start of the campaign, has been that they'll struggle in the immediate future. In the sense that they have brought in you know almost three hundred players. That they're going to take time to gel, and you know the results early on in the season aren't going to be very good. But when they do gel. quality is so great in the players that they've signed that they'll stay up that's always been my opinion and nothing's changed there and i think we saw towards the end of the you know or towards the world cup break that they were starting to kind of get into gear and and really churn out results they beat crystal palace last game out obviously drew with brentford uh, they beat liverpool as well drew away at brighton i know a couple of those results were a little bit fortunate but you're starting to see um you know a pattern particularly from a defensive standpoint, they've started conceding fewer chances, which has to be seen as a positive. So my advice would be ignore the teams that are in the minus numbers. Uh, you know, you, you Forest, your Bournemouth and Wolves, although I do think Bournemouth are pretty much going to go down and just take a few punts at some big prices. I mean, maybe Fulham at plus 700, because from a from an expected goals perspective, they're, they are the worst team defensively in the entire Premier League. No team's conceded more expected goals um, than Fulham so far this season. So... It, it, you know, if Mitrovic gets injured, then where do the goals come from? And if you're still shipping that kind of figure, they could be in trouble.
0: Um, I previously, um, for a better number, got on both United and Newcastle to finish in the top four at plus one twenty five for Manchester United, plus one fifty for Newcastle. I still think there's some value. Do you have the guts to roll with Brighton for a top four finish plus 1606? It's a big number, but their metrics, their underlying numbers and data provided by InfoGoal, they're top four almost across the board just in terms of their profile. I think a lot more people are now uh, understanding how good some of the players are. McAllister, Troussard struggled, but Belgium did at the World Cup. But this team, um, at a time where Liverpool's taking a step back, I'm not sure if anyone's still buying Spurs being this really difficult team, Chelsea in transition, a little bit of a makeshift group. The, the, there might be an opportunity for the door to open up there. If you have the guts to do it, I personally think they're on the outside looking in, but that's the number for me that if you really want to go there, Brighton plus 1606 and really put it on the line that you could be rewarded in the end.
1: Uh, maybe. I mean, you said the the, the metrics are fantastic that, that they're putting up. Um, I just think top four's a stretch. If there's a top six market, maybe I'd be interested in 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 that in kind of finishing above a Chelsea, maybe United. But yeah, top four I think's a stretch. You know, you've got City and Arsenal. In my opinion, are going to be there, and then it like, I'd put Newcastle ahead of them. I'd put United and Spurs ahead of them. So yeah, I, if 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 you want something that's quite a long price to cheer on, then you know I wouldn't put you off because the data says. That yeah. they are generally, um, you know, one of the better teams in the league. But you know, I, I I find it difficult. I think top four is a bit of a stretch, personally.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm just seeing like how gutsy you actually are, Jake. Uh so, so putting you on the spot. Let's kick on to the games uh, coming up on Boxing Day. Um, th- the games are actually played over the course of the Tuesday. Uh, Sorry, the Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. Then we get right into the next week of fixtures and the next like they're they're coming fast and furious. Uh, Let's start off with the early game, the first game back in the Premier League on Boxing Day. Nice and early. It's 10th place Brentford taking on fourth place Spurs. Uh, Brentford beat Man City last time out. 2-1 was the final. Ivan Tony is a world of trouble off the field. Who knows how much longer he'll be playing for? <laughs> Will be playing in this game. Uh, before beating City, what's crazy is that they were winless in their five games before that. Uh, both teams to score have played for Brighton in their last four games in all competitions. Uh, They're undefeated in their last three at home in the Premier League and have the seventh-best XG in the Premier League as well. 13 goals at home in seven games is a decent number as well. Spurs, no losses in their last three. Both teams have scored six out of seven in all competitions, but they've been the first to concede in their last eight games in all competitions. It's been a real problem for this team. They've gone over two-and-a-half goals in their last four Premier League games. As I previously mentioned, Richarlison out Benton core potentially out for this upcoming games as well. Head to head, these two sides, funny enough, played to a, a, a nil-nil draw last season in this fixture and Spurs haven't conceded in their last three to Brentford. Um, what do you make of this game? Is there a number that you like? Do you have a play for this one to get us kick started?
1: uh, uh it's, not, <clears throat> it's not a confident play, uh, but I do think I, <sighs> I do I do think Brentford should be got on side um, in terms of the handicap market. You can get minus 103 for them to basically avoid defeat. And that that looks like a, a decent number for me in terms of um, the fact that we've got a Brentford team that are really, really strong at home. I mean, I've, I think I've said it plenty of times on the EPL Insights podcast. There's probably a handful of teams that I I think are must-back when they're playing at home or at least teams that you want to get on side in kind of advantageous situations and this seems like one of those because, um, you know, the, the, the results at home, they've been kind of so-so, three wins, three draws and a defeat. But the performances in the process has been really, really, well, I think it's eight, seventh or eighth best in the league. So uh, they're consistently outcreating their opponents on a on a game-to-game basis at home, 1.8 expected goals for, 1.4 against. They have no problems creating the chances. Um, and then you can flip it to Spurs and pre-break, their their defence was – Suspect to say the least. Um, I mean, you know, three goals conceded against Leeds, two goals against Bournemouth. Um, you know, obviously two against Liverpool is not too bad going, but they were shipping chances and, and goals, and they conceded in all the last six matches across all competitions. So, I think Brentford will score, and if they score, then I fancy the chances to to kind of avoid defeat because, as you mentioned, Spurs missing a few key players. Obviously, we'll have a few fit. Kulosevsky, um will be. Fit and raring to go is quite an important player at the start of the season. Um, Kane should be fit and raring to go. Same with Son, but I just think that defensive vulnerability. There's no going to be no Romero. We we suspect because he's probably still partying in Argentina somewhere. Um, but yeah, that you know the process away from home in general, Spurs hasn't been great this season. It, it kind of it's near enough as a level as you can get it. One point five expected goals for, one point four against. So from a from a kind of you know. It, they, they've they basically not been as dominant as what we would expect to see from a, a team that are at this kind of price to win the game outright. So, happy to have a small play on Brentford. Uh, you know They showed exactly what they're capable of when going to Man City and causing a massive upset last time out. Um, and so far at home this season, they've also drawn with Chelsea, who were probably a price that's similar to, to Spurs' Arsenal went there and got a very good win, but they've also beat Manchester United at home. So, um, you know, it's a, t- it's a tough tough place to go. Uh, and I, and I, I do think that there's a little bit of juice in that price.
0: Uh, I'm completely with you. I've, You've actually convinced me to make it a full play. I put a half play on the handicap of plus 0.5, which means a win or a draw, uh, you win for your Brentford play. Brentford came out to play against Man City when they beat them 2-1. Uh, and it was away from home. Like they play with some guts, don't they? Um, look, on their day, they can look really good or they can look really bad. Just, just, I think the context is good. You mentioned it. Romero out. Is Lloris going to play? We're not sure. Um, where's the headspace that Harry Kane's at right now coming back? Son has, has had a poor season and a poor World Cup. And ben, Benton has been so good in that midfield for them. If he misses out as well, you're playing a little bit of a makeshift team, going to a difficult place. Difficult context for Spurs. I can see this game ending in a draw, which means it would be a Brentford win with that play on the handicap. So, a full play on Brentford for me for that one. And some alignment out of the gate here. Yeah, Jake. look at us yeah. agreeing. Yeah, exactly. It's the holiday spirit. It's, it's a Christmas <laughs> miracle, they say. Um, let's move on. Aston Villa and Liverpool. It's also going to be played. On Boxing day as well but by the way we'll get into our five main games we actually kind of have a bonus six one that we want to Share for this, and then we'll get into the rest of the games as well. Uh, Liverpool is in sixth place. uh, Villa's in 12th. Villa, back-to-back wins under Emery over United and Brighton heading into the break. Four wins from seven at home overall. They've been a decent home side. And the fourth-best home uh, expected goals against as well. They've gone over two and a half goals in each and every one of their last five games. Liverpool, after losses to Forest and Leeds, things were looking bleak. They beat Spurs in Southampton before the break. They conceded goals in their last four games. They do, however, have the best XG um, in the Premier League, but only are fifth in goals scored. So they're creating chances. They're just not putting the ball to the back of the net. They have just one away win in six on the season. That's a crazy number for me seven goals for and nine against when they're not playing at Anfield head to head. Liverpool won this fixture two one last season. Liverpool won four straight against Villa. Villa haven't had a clean sheet against Liverpool in their last six. They've gone over the total of two and a half goals in eight of 10, and both teams have scored in four of five. Uh, <clears throat> does Liverpool's pour away form and Villa's decent home form continue in this one?
1: I think so. I think the value is, is getting Villa on side. Um, the handicap's currently at plus uh, three quarters, which basically means that if if villa avoid defeat we get a full payout and if liverpool win by exactly one goal uh, we make a half loss so if you staked uh, $10 then you get you lose $5 you get 5 back that for me is a really really smart play in this because um you know Ezuna Emery he he really knows what he's doing as a coach he's shown that over years and years now um, and you know the, everyone will look at the victories over Man United and Brighton, who are two of the current top eight in the Premier League. But for me, it was it's not just the actual results; it's the actual performance from a defensive standpoint that's really impressive. The Limited United is just zero point five five expected goals, limited Brighton to zero point eight nine. So they they're they're basically ship tight, watertight at the back in terms of conceding a few chances in those two matches. And if they can continue that, then I fancy them. To really cause Liverpool some problems, uh, and you know, you mentioned it there. Liverpool, from a attacking perspective, they lead the lead, but in defence, they've really struggled. We, we banged on about it, didn't we, pre pre World Cup, every single week about how bad the defence is. Well, they've allowed an average of one point six six expected goals against per game over the course of the season. That's actually the sixth worst defensive process in the entire Premier League. Wow! So they've got the best attack, but the sixth worst defence. Um, and that that to me means that Villa will create chances I can't see that being fixed overnight um, or at least over a month period because I think there's some personnel issues I think we both agree in midfield they look a little bit light um, and a little bit leggy in terms of the the age of some of the players there um, and yeah I'm, I'm happy to ride with Villa uh, to, to get a positive result I know that there's question marks over whether I Emmy mean, Martinez will be back for this but I think they'll be set up in such a way to, that they'll be able to frustrate Liverpool and, and really limit them from a chance creation perspective, which obviously increases the chances of avoiding defeat.
0: Uh, no play for me here. I, I I'm with you. Eileen Villa and the under the fact that I'm not sure about Martinez, that kind of changes the, the way I look at things a little bit here. Um, Cunate, will he be good to go for Liverpool? Perhaps, maybe not. There, there's just too many variables for me that I'm just not quite sure about. I'm not convinced by Liverpool. I'm not yet convinced by what Villa is going to look like under Unai Emory Emery, despite them having a couple results, I need to see them a little bit more. I think this game will tell me a little bit about both sides, to be honest with you. Um, so I have no problem just wiping my hands clean and sitting back and watching and enjoying uh, and seeing how it plays out on boxing day. So no play for me there. Um, Let's go sequentially because this is kind of the order of the games on the weekend. This is kind of our bonus play um, for the weekend. And I think it's important to do this game because these are two of the sides on the best form in the Premier League coming into it. Yes, it's 13th place Leicester City and third place Newcastle from the King Power. Leicester City, five clean sheets in their last six in the Premier League. Where did this come from? They're shipping goals left, right, and center early in the season. Now Brendan Rodgers' side is kind of figured it out four wins with clean sheets, um, you know, over that stretch. And the only goal that they've given up over those last six games uh, was a goal to Manchester city and a narrow one nil defeat. They've been first to score in six of seven in the first half winner. Also in six of their last seven, they've scored the six most goals as well in the Premier league as well. And as I mentioned, defensively, they sorted it out, but all of their injuries are at the back. Justin, Ricardo, Evans, Soyanchu, Bertrand, all out or questionable out of this one. Newcastle just one loss all season long. Haven't lost in 11 in all competitions. They've scored four or more goals in four of their last eight in the Premier League as well. Thank you very much, Miguel Amaran. Uh, He's been (laughs) unbelievable, despite what Jack Grealish thinks of him. Third best XG in the Premier League. Joint fewest goals conceded with 11 third best away goals for and away goals against. So they'd be consistent, consistent as well. And the only real notable absentee right now is Isak, who remains out um, up top for Newcastle, but they have other players in, in, in Wilson and, They have and would players who are more than serviceable to pick up that slack. Head to head, they each won a game last season, but Leicester City won 4-0 in this fixture last season. Newcastle doesn't have a clean sheet in their last seven against Leicester City. They've gone over the two and a half goal total in six of six when these two teams play. And Leicester City has been the first to score as well against Newcastle in six of their last seven. So, So two hot teams on good form. Um, two sides that have been impressive as of late, and both are providing juice depending on how you want to play. A home win for Leicester City at plus 233, plus 261 for the draw, plus 125. Wow, for a Newcastle away win. Uh, Do you have a play in this game? I'm really looking forward to this one, Jake.
1: Yeah, I've got a couple of plays. Nice. I think I'm going to be – I'm guessing you'll probably like the overs at some point in this game. Um, I'm going to be contrary and and take the unders because uh, you mentioned it there, you hinted at it, the the defensive kind of transformation we've seen from Leicester has been really impressive. So across the first seven league matches, they allowed 1.9 expected goals against per game. And across the last nine matches pre-break, they allowed just 1.09 expected goals against per game. So... They, they've really tightened up and the underlying numbers paint a really pretty picture for that defence and, and the way in which they're kind of set up. Um, and Newcastle, on the road, um, they generally play on fine margins. So they're 1.4 expected goals for, 1.37 against. So you can kind of see that they don't create as many chances, well, particularly as they do at home, which stands at 2.44. Um, but yeah, away, uh, in terms of defence, they have kept things very tight. They've only conceded uh, 0.86 actual goals per game and I thought it was quite interesting just looking at um, at just at the over two and a half goal percentage line which at home this season for Leicester is at 43% so for f- only 57% of the matches um, have gone under two and a half goals which would mean that the kind of if you're just taking that as a base price which obviously we need to factor in certain different things but then the unders should be priced at around minus one thirty three. Um, I probably would bump that up a little bit given the teams that are playing to price it maybe at like well, minus one ten. But we're getting a plus number for the unders, um, which to me, I would make that a value bet because I think these are two decent teams, and and it wouldn't be surprising to see them cancel each other out. And we've seen definitely a, a more and a bigger emphasis on defense from a Leicester point of view. Um, I also think Leicester to win. Uh, sorry, Newcastle to win is a, is, a, is a bet at plus one twenty five. That's a big number. You know that we, we've said it for a while now. I said it at the start of the show that they're performing like a top four team. Um, and you know that's across the board. So the third based on defensive process, third based on expected goal difference per game, third based on expected points per game, fourth on expected goals four per game. So they really are performing like an elite team. And if you were, for example, if, if you were to substitute the name Newcastle with, I don't know, Tottenham, you're probably getting plus 105 instead of plus 125 in this game. Um, and ultimately, Newcastle are performing better than Tottenham right now. So I think there's some juice in that Newcastle price.
0: I'm with you. Uh, if you're going to give me, I feel like there's been a lot of success in that. Lines like this over the course of the season were the better team away from home is giving you a decent plus number. It's, it's come good more times than not. I was on Newcastle away at Spurs as well, and they beat them, and Spurs are a better team than Leicester City. Newcastle plus 125 might be my favorite play of the week. Uh, if you want to play it a little bit more conservatively, um, the handicap is minus 0.25. If it does end up in a draw, you lose half your bet at minus 106. That number's okay for me too. So one of those two plays, but plus 125, to, to me, it's worth it. The better side, going to Leicester City. I, the under, I, I would tend to lean that way as well, to be honest with you. Like that back line for Newcastle, Shar, Burn Trippiette, like they've been excellent all season long. So you think about their expansive attacking play defensively, they go away from home played to a nil-nil at Old Trafford. They, they've done they've done the job. They're pragmatic at times under Eddie Howe. So I think they've done really well. So one of those two plays with plus 125 has to be it for me. Anything Dad? there? No,
1: just that we seem to be agreeing quite a lot um, as the Premier League restarts, really which is unusual, but nice. Just,
0: just give it a week. That, that's all you have to do. <laughs> uh, also on Boxing Day, the final game of the day, top of the table, Arsenal. Facing 16th, yikes! 16th place, West Ham, Arsenal 12 one and one on the season, uh, top of the table by five points. Three state uh, straight clean sheets in their last three league games, outscoring their opponents by a combined eight to nil. Second most goals scored. And the fewest conceded in the league this season. The best XGA expected goals against by far. And they the best expected goal differential, all courtesy of InfoGoal. A perfect six wins from six at home. And just a 4.7 expected goals against at home as well. They have been airtight. Jesus is out. Zinchenko, Smith-Rowe, Tomiyasu. All a little bit of a question mark, but all seem to be trending in the right direction to play. For West Ham, it was a nightmare finish before the break. Three league losses in a row and four losses in their last five. Losses at home to Palace and Leicester City. Those ones absolutely sting. Just 12 goals on the season. That's, you know, in 15 overall. That's nowhere near good enough. Although they have the fourth fewest, they have the fourth fewest goals scored, but the six best expected goals against. So defensively, that was the issue last season. They were shipping too many goals. This season, they simply can't score. They are one, one and five away from home, but have the seventh best expected goals away from home and the third best away expected goals against. So they're not living up to what their numbers and their production is actually telling you head to head. Uh, 2-1 win for Arsenal in this fixture last season. Arsenal haven't lost in six to West Ham and have been the first to score in four of five. West Ham doesn't have a clean sheet in their last six against Arsenal. Uh, It's a difficult one out of the gate for West Ham, but Arsenal to win this, minus 191, look, they've been a great home side. That number seems a little bit juiced to me. What do you make of this line? Is there a play to make in this game?
1: Yeah, I'd be definitely leaning towards a play in the goal market. Um, I've taken over two and a half goals. It, it It's a little bit on the short side, I guess. You're looking at around minus 126, but I think there's still some juice in that. I think, you um, know, Arsenal, I want to see the, what they look like without Jesus in terms of how they set up, whether he plays with a false nine or whether he trusts Nketiah. Uh, I think the fact that this is at home definitely helps in terms of them kind of feeling the way through this this kind of start of, uh, of dealing without Jesus. Um, and you know, you mentioned there from a home perspective, they are the best team in the league by a country mile um, in terms of all the metrics, expected goals for, against, goal difference, expected points. They are country, they're miles clear of the rest when it comes to playing at home from an underlying number perspective. And you know, you, you made a, you, you pointed out there that the West Ham they've they've been really unfortunate with the results so far away from home. Three goals scored from eleven point one expected goals for. You know that that kind of thing is just it's just not sustainable if they continue creating the chances at the same rate then the goals will start to flow at the same rate. Um, and you know they they actually rank as the third best away team in the entire Premier League based on expected goals. So they're, they're, there's a lot to like about West Ham's chances, um, but they are facing a bit of a juggernaut in arsenal and i think arsenal will score at least twice i think west ham have got the capacity to score at least once in which case the overs obviously clicks um and you know that as i said they're creating enough chances west ham to cause some real problems for Arsenal they're at 1.6 expected goals four away from home so i like the overs more than i like a bet in any of the sort of you know the 1x2 market or the handicap
0: i was gonna say that only a half play for me and it's on the handicap Give me West Ham to, to, to start getting things right. You're going to give me a full goal. So plus one at plus 103 at a plus number. That That's okay to me. If Arsenal win by a goal, you get your money back. This game could very well end in a draw. This is where I predict the Arsenal slide starts. Like I said, there's a lot of look-ahead games here for Arsenal. Play West Ham, Brighton, Newcastle, Spurs, United. Without Jesus. A player that's been key to the attacking football that they played. Look, Martinelli, Saka, party they've all been excellent on the season. The center back pairing as well, they'd be wonderful. But this West, West Ham side, like they just haven't lived up their expectations. Pekata, like this guy, this guy can play. Uh, you know, pressure has to be ramping up on Moyes. Declan Rice had a wonderful World Cup. Like this team is better than it showed. I'm expecting a competitive game here. I just don't think that Arsenal will play West Ham off the field. Maybe, perhaps I'll look foolish in saying this. Perhaps Arsenal go on with a multi goal victory, but I'm betting that they won't here. So give me West Ham with a half play, uh, plus one at plus 103.
1: Yeah, no arguments from me there. I definitely would be leaning towards um, West Ham on the handicap rather than Arsenal. I, you know, Jesus was playing and we're still getting these kind of prices. I'd be looking at minus one on the Arsenal handicap, but. He's not. I think he's got that much of, a, of an influence on how we think about Arsenal. So, yeah, no no complaints there.
0: Uh, let's move on to the 27th and 5th place Manchester United takes on 18th place Nottingham Forest. This is the first time they played in this, what do you call it, this century, like in the 2000s. The last time they played was 1999 and Manchester United with an 8-1 win over Forrest. It's good to have this, you know, traditional rivalry back in the Premier League. United just one loss in their last 13 competitive games, although they're 11th in the Premier League in goals as well as expected goals. That number nowhere good enough for Manchester United. They have been decent at home 4 one and one and have conceived the fewest goals at home, although they've only played six home matches so far. Bren Martinez, we'll see who or if either one of them plays. Harry Maguire missed the Carabao Cup tie uh, last week. He was ill. And Diego Dalo uh, is dealing with a bit of a hamstring issue. He has to be seen as being a doubt for this game as well. Uh, Forrest have turned things around. Three straight wins in all competitions. Uh, Spurs and Blackburn in the AFL Cup and Crystal Palace in the league. They've actually come away with points in five of their last seven league games, including a draw with Brighton and a win over Liverpool. Uh, Only Wolves have scored fewer goals, and Bournemouth is the only side that's conceded more goals than Nottingham Forest. But their XG is better than six teams on the season thus far, including Chelsea. Uh, No wins and two draws away from home in seven. And this is the number that's crazy. They've only scored one goal in seven away matches thus far this season. Uh, head-to-head, again, I mean, this rivalry is an older one. I'm not sure if any of these numbers are relevant, but United have won five in a row and haven't lost to Nottingham Forest in six games. Um, so away travels have been difficult in Nottingham Forest. They had a lot of new players you know, coming all together. And it looked a little bit makeshift at times, but they've they've shown some signs of life. Uh, their goalkeeper, Henderson, won't play against United as he's on loan for Manchester United as well. Perhaps that makes this a mountain too far to climb. United, a significant favorite here to come away with a win at minus 319. Is, is there a play for you in this game at all, Jake?
1: I, I'm happy to have a little play on United to cover the handicap, which is currently at minus 1.5. So we need them to win by two clear goals, basically, for this to win. Um, I was a little bit unsure as to whether I was going to pull the trigger on this, um, just because, obviously, I, what I've said at the start of the podcast in the sense that I think Forest will come good. But this isn't the kind of game that they'll come good in, in my opinion, against a really strong team. Um, I think their their season will be defined against teams that are in and around them. Um, and it was kind of clinched this bet by looking through the schedule so far that Man United have played, and they've played six home games. And they they've played five of the current top seven in the league and West Ham, who rank as a top-half team based on expected goals and finished in the top seven last season. So their, their six home games have come against really tough opposition. So I'll read them out for everybody. Brighton, Liverpool, Arsenal, Newcastle, Spurs, West Ham is the six home games they've played. So they've not actually played a team that we would consider a relegation candidate at Old Trafford. Um, and I think that they could make light work of this Forest team. You know, that the United are improving. I, I think... You we know, were both of the mind that, I, that if Ronaldo was kind of not there, that United would flourish and become more of a of a team and potentially better than the sum of the parts. Um, I think we'll see that in the second half of this season. And Nottingham Forest away from home. I mean, you said it there: one goal they've scored, but defensively they've been an absolute shambles. The Two point one expected goals against per game on the travels, which is a really really poor process and, and you know we've seen them go to Newcastle lose 2-0 they've, they've been to Man City lost 6-0 Leicester 4-0 um you know they've been to Arsenal lost 5-0 so four of their away defeats have been i have seen this kind of minus one Asian uh, minus one and a half handicap covered um I, I think Man United are more than capable of doing the same to this Forest team so um I'm quite happy to have a little play on United covering the handicap and winning quite handsomely
0: I'm tempted by that. I just question whether there's enough goals in this United team. Like, it's it's, it's a genuine concern. Um, does Anthony Martial come, come good? Rashford's been on great form. You know, Sancho's unavailable. Anthony, you know, he, he was out for a long time. You're relying on Garnacho playing one of the wide areas. I think United will win. Will they win by two goals? I'm not quite sure about that. Also considering this is the Jesse Lingard revenge game back, back in Old Trafford. I mean, he is a bone to pick with someone, doesn't he? Um, but it'll be quite emotional. I mean, he loves the club and we'll see what that looks like. It's a no play for me in this game. There's just, there's nothing there for me. I don't think Forest will win. I think United will win, but might just be by a goal in this game. So I'm just going to stay away completely. Anything else to add? Uh, no,
1: no, I'm I'm I just yeah, everything I've said, I, I think that United have the the capacity to hurt this forest team, um, yes. who have looked suspect defensively. And I know you've said the a couple of attacking players down potentially, but you know, I still would expect a you know Rashford Marshall Ganacho front line to cause problems for Forest, particularly if you've got Fernandez and, and Erickson kind of joining in as well with Casemiro as a pivot. So um yeah, I, I, I'm quite high on this United team, particularly in this game, and, and I think they'll have a good second half of the season.
0: Uh, brilliant. Uh, the final feature game that we're bringing you this week, uh, the game's going to be played on the 28th, so you're going to have to wait for it, and hopefully it's worth the wait. 15th place Leeds taking on second place Man City. Uh, for Leeds, their last two league games ended 4-3. One win uh, against, uh, against Bournemouth, I believe it was, and then coughing away, a, 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 you know, a, a lead. It looked like a commanding lead to Spurs in a wild game where Adams was sent off and he'll be suspended for this upcoming game against city. Um, their last four games for leads have all gone over the two and a half goal total. They haven't had a clean sheet in nine, although their 10th best in expected goal differential home forward's been good at Ellen road, three wins, two draws and two losses, 12 goals, four and nine against this is the issue. Sinistera, Dallas, Bamford, Somerville, and Adams all out for this game. These are some important players for Leeds. For City, a shot two-one loss to Brentford somehow last time out. They had 28 shots in that game. It's just their second loss on the season. But their second loss in their last five league games, they found things difficult heading into the World Cup break, losing to Liverpool. They they beat Brighton, but I mean that game kind of could have gone either way. A one-nil win over Leicester City. Um, somehow won with, with after Kinsella was sent off against Fulham, then, of course, the, the loss to Brentford. So their numbers are incredible in the season, but the last five games were a little bit tricky. Uh, 40 goals it's the most by seven in the Premier League from 30.4 XG and they have the second best expected goals against. We should remind you, Erling Holland is a very good player. He scored 18 goals (laughs) of the season. And De Bruyne. Just in case you forgot. Yeah, just in case. Everyone's talking about Messi and Mbappe, but this Erling Holland guy can play. De Bruyne, despite how much he struggled at the World Cup, um, leads the Premier League with nine assists. Only Alvarez missing for City. City won, get this, Four nil and seven nil against Leeds last season. It's incredible because there was nine different goal scorers in those two games. The only two players to score a brace or two goals over the two games last season against Leeds, De Bruyne and it's actually a decent trivia question. Of course, it's Nathan Ake. Why wouldn't? Oh be yeah, Ake? So. of course. <laughs> if you didn't get that, I mean, come yeah. on. What are you thinking? Uh, Leeds don't have a clean sheet in their last eight against Manchester City, and they've gone over the two-and-a-half goal total in five of six. Uh, City, minus 325 to win. The draw, plus 497. And the total is set at 3.25, minus 111 for the over, minus 103 for the under. Uh, What's your play here? I'm tempted to make multiple plays for this game, Jake. I'm not sure if you feel the same way. Um I uh yeah, no, I, I've
1: not got multiple. <laughs> um I find this a really, really tricky kind of from a from a pricing perspective and a market perspective. Uh the line is set at minus one point seven five, which means that we'd need City to win by two or more goals to make half our money back. Uh, or to make half profit, sorry. Um if you drop that handicap down to minus 1.5, you're getting minus one twenty three. That's more my speed. Um, I could see City winning by two goals. Um, And if you obviously win by two goals and you're on the minus one and a half handicap, you get a full payout as opposed to the minus 1.75. So I'll be happy to take a kind of a shorter price um, there as my main bet. And, you know, you mentioned the the main reason why that Leeds defence is kind of all over the place been I mean, speaking to a, a, I'm currently in the, the the Leeds office uh speaking to a couple of Leeds Le- Leeds fans and you know they they're, they've spoken about a slight change in formation in terms of going to a 4-3-3 as opposed to the the kind of 4-2-2-2 we've seen which has apparently made them even more kamikaze when uh, when going forward and more vulnerable defensively uh I think they've been hammered in a few friendlies recently as well which has not not gone down too well but they're friendlies but they're coming into a game against a Man City team that, as we said at the start of the show, are pretty well-rested, you'd have to say. You know, Harland, he's not kicked a ball properly for a full month. But all the other players that they've had at the World Cup have uh, pretty much all come back fairly early, which should put them in a decent place. You know, Akanji, Edison, De Bruyne, Gundogan, Stones, Walker, Phillips, Foden, Grealish, Cancelo, Diaz, Bernardo. Ake, Laporte, Rodri, they've all come back with, you know, two and a half weeks left of the World Cup or uh, World Cup break, shall we say. The only one not there is Alvarez. So they're basically full strength. Um, and they'll be chomping at the bit to get going, knowing that they've got a five-point gap to kind of eat up against uh uh against Arsenal. We want to find some sort of groove. And what we've seen from them at the start of the season is that they can create a load of good chances and they've got a bloke up front who can score a lot of those chances. And I, I just think that Leeds are gonna have a real problem dealing with them from a from an attacking pers- perspective And it's kind of a little bit of a um a home game, if you like, for Haaland, in the sense that his dad used to play for Leeds. So he'll be probably wanting to get a couple of goals against them. Um yeah, I I, I think City could win this fairly comfortably. Uh you know, it, it might be one of those that's a controlled comfortable, in a sense it's like a two-nil as opposed to a six-nil. Um, But either way, I think that they can cover the minus one and a half handicap and and get as a, uh, you know, it's not it's not the biggest of prices, but it can get as a winner at least at at minus one twenty three.
0: Yeah, that is my favorite player of the week. Uh, I think City could win this by three or four. It could be just play out just like last season, a well rested, fully fit, full strength City side going up against a depleted Leeds side, take Tyler Adams out of the middle of the park. I mean, he's like one of the, the players that's like the engine that's supposed to provide the legs. Who's going to deal with De Bruyne in this team? Like the XG in this game for man city could be astronomical. It might be one of the <laughs> biggest numbers on the, I I'm, I'm serious. Like, look, I like what this leads team is doing under Jesse Marsh. I just can't see them hanging in this game. So give me that. Give me uh city over two and a half goals, basically at even odds. I like that. I, I like City winning to nil. Like, there isn't really a City bet I don't like here. Like, the the first half full-time win at minus 116, I'll take all of Like, this is the most lopsided game of the weekend. Uh, it's not even close. I just don't know. Unless something crazy, we should say that we're recording this podcast before the Carabao Cup tie against Liverpool. If someone falls to injury, something crazy happens then that position changes. But based upon this, the extra day of rest heading into the 28th as well, then everything looks really good for Manchester City ahead of this one, Jake.
1: Yeah, it's hard to disagree. You know, they're they they, they they're in a really good spot in the sense that they have players back, they have players fit. Um, and Leeds, unfortunately, are the opposite. They're, they're struggling in terms of personnel, um, struggling in terms of just general defensive solidity. Yeah, like
0: it could be a long night for them um, yeah. on Wednesday. Uh, City could really do a number on them. And, and, the, and the fact that City lost their last game and there's that gap between them and Arsenal, the context, like a statement performance coming out of the gate. Th- these are the games that Pep thrives on, I feel, like just playing to that narrative, going to Leeds. Uh, I, maybe my favorite play, I'm, I'm just going to add this in, both teams to score on the winner. No, and Manchester City at plus 146. That might be the best play. You t- you take out Sinistera and Somerville. Like, where's the creativity coming in this Leeds team as well? That's going to be my bet of the week. Right, right there. Just decided. Both teams to score and winner. No, Manchester City at plus 146. I'll, as soon as we're done this podcast, I'm putting in that play on Pinnacle. <laughs> yeah,
1: Are you okay I, I with that fight. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know if I trust City's defense enough to keep a clean sheet, but... um,
0: Fully fit. Diaz was unbelievable. Walker's back in the team now. Um, They they, they haven't been fit this year. There's been players out across that back line basically the entirety of the season. Calvin Phillips going back to Leeds. Like, look, there's so much about this game that I like Man City, so...
1: Yeah, so you're going all chips in the table of this City-Leeds game? (laughs) Get all the Argent-
0: all the Argentina winnings are are, are being piled <laughs> on, uh, pil- piled on to this game. Reinvested, uh, shall we say? Reinvested, exactly. Uh, let's quickly go through the rest of the games on the weekend. Eleventh um, place Palace against ninth place Fulham. Palace have played like four friendlies. <laughs> it- it's been <laughs> they wild. Need Because they have the second lowest XG. Like, this team has played well. They just simply can't score. Fulham, they've been a sweetheart in terms of the over bets, over two and a half and 12 of 13. Both teams have scored in their games in every game but three in the Premier League this season. Um, And Palace haven't lost to Fulham in their last four. Do you have a play here?
1: Yeah, it's one of my favorite bets of the week. Um, It's just simply Crystal Palace to win. Uh, you're getting plus one fourteen. I, I think that's a, just a huge number. Um, you know, generally throughout the what, 21, 22 season, Palace one of the best home teams in the entire division. Um, and so far this season they've done their best work at home as well. They've won four of seven. But if you look at the opponents and remove the big six teams, they've played two of the big six teams, which happened to be their two losses at home. So if you remove those and just call them the rest, they've won four and drawn one of their five home matches. Is, uh, an average of 1.56 expected goals for 1.3 against so they're a very strong home team against teams that you kind of would expect them to either beat or get a result against uh fulham they're definitely not a big 16 they've struggled defensively uh, particularly away from home they've allowed an average of 2.2 expected goals against per game and if you remove the non-big six teams out of the, the away schedule of fulham they've still averaged above expected goals against per game. So it doesn't matter who they play, whether they be Champions League contenders or relegation candidates, they're generally averaging around two expected goals against per game. So um, I think Crystal Palace can get another home win on the board. I think that price is big, plus 114. I'd I'd make it a minus number, personally.
0: Wow. Um, I'm going to go with the over. Ride that Fulham streak of going the over. Minus 106 to go over 2.0. and. To, uh, two and a half goals. Like I said, they've gone over the two and a half goal total in 12 of 13 this season. Let's keep that train going. One of my favorite bets to make this season is being Fulham on the over. So let's go there away from home at palace this weekend. And palace has been playing a lot of games. Like I said, I think that's a good thing. Maybe they they'll find some form and attack 17th yeah. place Everton against 20th place. Wolves Everton went into the world cup break back-to-back losses in the cup and in the league to Bournemouth And one win in seven. This team's in trouble. I believe they went to Australia? Perhaps that set things right. Who knows? And they got rid of Solomon Rondon. I mean, he hasn't been productive, what, three, four years for Everton. Wolves, Lopetegui off to a winning start. He's smart. Beat Gillingham. And Jimenez scored. Good to see him back scoring goals. Cunha's coming in. He's not here yet. Winless in five in the league. Yet, they're a little bit of an underdog in this game. Um, plus two thirty three for a Wolves win, plus two twenty five on the draw, plus one forty one for an Everton win. Big game at the bottom of the table. How do you see this playing out? Um, I, I mean, generally
1: from a from a betting perspective, I want to get Wolves on side because a I rate the manager and b I don't rate Everton. So, um, you know, any way I can get them on side, and quite surprised you can get plus zero point two five on the Asian handicaps or plus a quarter at uh, minus 114, which I think is a very backable figure. Um and back in the the plus a quarter means that if the if the match ends in a draw, you get a half win. If Wolves win the game, you get a full win. Um and I think there's a good chance that they can do a number on Everton because Everton's home form and home process has been really poor this season. It was kind of a fortress at Goodison Park last season as they climbed to safety, but it's not really continued this campaign. They've averaged 1.1 expected goals for 1.5 against so far at home. Um Wolves we're not sure what we're going to get from them straight out the gate but as I've said Lopetegui is a coach I rate very highly he's a really good organiser he can be pragmatic I can see them doing a kind of Nuno-esque um, last half of the season and just being really difficult to beat grinding out a few wins here and there not being too flashy but winning quite a few matches and, and staying up so you know he's got a really good platform to work from as well because you know while they are bottom of the table, defensively, they rank as the eighth best team in the league based on expected goals. So it's a really solid foundation there. Um, and I think Wolves can get a really positive
0: result. Yeah, not much to add other than in this fixture last year, it was Connor Cody with the match winner for Wolves. Wouldn't it be apropos <laughs> if Connor Cody scores the match winner for Everton against Wolves this time around? No play for me, although I'm tempted to make that plus 0.25 handicap play with Wolves at minus 114. 19th place, Southampton facing Brighton. The Saints have been dreadful at home, the fourth worst expected goals against at home. Only one win and the fewest amount of home points in the season. They play Brighton, who have the six best expected goals, the third best expected goals against, and the third best expected goals away from home. McAllister, was great at the World Cup, He's away, uh, and there's some questions about the fitness of wellback and Webster as well. These two sides, you know, they're, they're kind of local rivals. Um, they played to two draws last year. They're always competitive games between these sides. It, it could be a decent timing one for Southampton here, playing against a better side in Brighton. What do you make of it? Because you can still have Bright to win this game at plus 119, which is a tempting play as well.
1: Yeah, it is a tempting play, and I guess – I guess you kind of, I mean, I don't, I don't put them in the same bracket as Newcastle in terms of what they're doing at the moment, but they're not far away. And if Newcastle were playing at Southampton, you'd probably get a little bit shorter than what you're getting right now. But you know, I, I, those kind of injuries, the nagging doubts around Brighton in terms of can they consistently finish the chances, means that you know, I, I definitely want them on side because I don't rate Southampton, but I'm not confident enough to go for the full straight win um, at plus one nineteen. So taking. a uh, a quarter handicap again at minus 112 is the play I'll be making here which again if Brighton win the game we get a full payout if they draw the game we actually make a half loss so you're making that a little bit of a kind of insurance play there Mm. just in case they they, they don't win the game um, and and actually end up in a draw. Saints as I said I'm not a massive fan of their managerial change I think they'd have been better off staying with Hearts and Hütel team that's struggling at both ends of the pitch in terms of creating chances and conceding them um, and, you know, the same can't be said for Brighton as you've you've labelled there, all their positive uh, underlying numbers. Away from home, The actually rank is the fifth best team in the entire Premier League based on XG process. And they've got the third best attacking process away from home. So you've got one of the best attacking processes taking on one of the worst defensive processes. Happy to ride Brighton train.
0: Uh no bet for me. Uh, and we're going long, and our producer Charlie is gonna kill me. So let's get to our <laughs> final game of the weekend. Quit, quit, eighth quit. place eighth place Chelsea and 14th place Bournemouth. Um, Reese James, Fafana getting close to returning, might be next week. This game will be played on the 27th as well. Um, Gary O'Neill stays with Bournemouth. The one thing about them, and and they've had some decent results. Um, the goalkeeper Neto is still out. And they had a bunch of players sick. How did they care about cup tie that they lost this past week? So that might come into the equation here. I have no play in this game. Chelsea are considerable favorites, a team that I just not sure can score enough goals as well. The handicap's minus one and a half at plus 101. Is that tempting enough to play a Chelsea home win against Bournemouth? Not for me. Yeah, not for me either. Um, you know, if you think Man United are a similar kind, they're the same
1: handicap at, at minus one and a half and much more confident about what we're going to see from them in terms of what compared to what we're going to see from Chelsea because ultimately this Chelsea team, they've been really poor under Graham Potter Um and I, I don't think it's been put into perspective simply how bad they've been under Graham Potter. Um They've averaged 1.07 expected goals for per game and 1.63 expected goals against per game since he took over, which is a relegation-worthy process. And, and I think we we'll both agree this month off is going to see them sort of right the ship and get them pointing in a a positive direction but there's still too many question marks for me to dive straight in and say yeah they're going to hammer Bournemouth Um, particularly because we don't know where the goals are going to come from as you say so um, yeah no play for me I'd be tempted if you could get a line on Chelsea to win an under three and a half goals I mean currently on Pinnacle you can get under two and a half if you can maybe bump that line up one to under three and a half I'd be interested maybe Um, but yeah for, for now I'm happy to take a watching brief on, on Chelsea because there's, there's so many question marks around that team.
0: Yes. Uh, what's incredible. They played one fewer game than Bournemouth, but they have one fewer goal scored on the season than Bournemouth. That seems crazy. No wins in their last five for Chelsea. They've only scored two goals over that span. Now they played against good teams, Newcastle, Arsenal, Bright and United, Manchester United. So perhaps this is what they need playing a side that's conceded the most goals in the premier league to actually get them going. Look, they play one fewer game than, than Bournemouth on the season, but Bournemouth has one more goal scored. Perhaps this is what they need to play a team like this that ships more goals than anyone else. Um, let's remind you that Premier League Predictions articles, you can find that at Pinnacle.com in the betting resources section. Plus, keep up the speed at Pinnacle on Twitter and Pinnacle Sports on YouTube for all the latest from our NFL Insights team. of Eric Eger and Ben Brown with their Week 16 plays and projections. Follow us at Pinnacle on Twitter, at Pinnacle Sports on YouTube, at Gareth Wheeler, and at Jake Oz. On behalf of Jake and everyone at Pinnacle, have a very happy holiday season. We'll be back one more time before the new year is out. This has been EPL Insights with data provided and supported by InfoGoal.